be a little bit vulnerable and show some humanity and show a little, you know, you don't have to be stuffy. You don't have to just be this robotic person who's there to take data and then, you know, spit information back at them. Like, I don't know. I, I, I really try to create some levity and some humor and, uh, and bake that in so that people want to keep coming back and they want to send their family to see me. What's it like to be a sports physician who's also a podcaster, the team doctor for some big name professional sports teams, and having an abiding interest in fostering authenticity, vulnerability, and evidence-based practice in medicine? Let's talk all about it with Dr. Julie Bruni of the Your Doctor Friends podcast and Midwest Orthopedics at Rush University Health Systems in Chicago, right here on episode 431 of the Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is about you, your personal and professional development, your career, and the healthcare system writ large. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride, and I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And if you'd like to help other people find the show, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple or Google or Amazon or Spotify. And just feel free to share from any podcast app where you happen to be listening. Just share with anyone you think would appreciate and enjoy the show. And if you want to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith. I appreciate y'all so much, no matter what you want to do to support the show, even if just by listening and letting me know you're out there, I appreciate it. You can go to nursekeith.com to find the show notes for the episode, but of course, they'll be in any app where you happen to be listening. And as I mentioned at the top of the episode, we're here with Dr. Julia Bruni. She's a sports medicine physician and a whole lot more. And Julie, I'm so happy to have you here. And I love having fellow podcasters on the show because you've got the mic, you're all set, you're like ready to rock and roll and you you love podcasting and you understand this world. So how does it feel to be on the other side of the mic? Is it okay? It's wonderful, Keith. Nurse Keith, this is an absolute delight. Thank you. It is fun to, to have the, the, the screen flipped as it were. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to relax, like you yeah. don't have to play host and, you know, we're... We're on the Health Podcast Network together mm-hmm. where, you know, we share that that commonality between us and you you do some really interesting things and you are the co-host of Your Doctor Friends, a podcast mm-hmm. that you do with your your friend and colleague, Dr. Jeremy Allen. And tell us about Your Doctor Friends and what's it all about and how did you come to choose that particular title for the show? (laughs) These are excellent questions. It's like you've done this before, Keith. (laughs) A little bit. Yeah. Much longer than we have, that's for sure. So Mm -hmm. thank you again for having me on the show. This is absolutely delightful. Uh, Yeah, it's so Jeremy and I began Your Doctor Friends uh, a little over a year ago now. And I think the beginnings of it were you know, Jeremy and I have both been, uh, we're both sports medicine physicians um, at a big orthopedic group in Chicago. And um, I think 
to some degree, we were both sort of feeling as though we're kind of in the sophomore year of our career. And, you know, we'd been in, in, um, in practice for me a couple of years longer than Jeremy. So I'm, I'm almost coming up on 10 years and, you know, you get into your groove, you've, you're, you're relatively well-established. We see patients, we, we, we're pretty high volume practice. So most of the time, uh, Jeremy and I are doing outpatient, you know, musculoskeletal and, and, um, <clears throat> orthopedic, uh, management of people's pain management and arthritis and, you know, falls and breaks and sprains and all that stuff. And as well as we take care of, um, a few different, uh, organizations and teams. Jeremy's the head team physician for the Chicago Bulls. I take care of the Chicago White Sox. I take care of DePaul University. So, you know, we've got, we had busy plates and they were great, but we also felt like we wanted to have something that was, I guess, not just a hobby, but more, we would, we would have days that we would finish our clinic days. And there's a couple of days that Jeremy and I are in the same, the same office at the same time. And we found ourselves having the same discussion with the, each other of asking, Hey, well, how many, how many patients asked you about X, Y, Z thing today? And there'd be common, it was really um, addressing myths and misinformation and misconceptions, you know, about common things that we see. So it started off a lot with, how many discussions did you have about stem cell injections for knee arthritis, you know, and mm-hmm. things that aren't total wackadoo, you know, pseudoscience, just stuff that I think a lot of patients, we had this, the same conversations over and over again. And we would commiserate. It's not the right word, but, but you'd say, yeah, man, I, I, I must've fielded that question five or 10 times today. Or how many times did somebody bring up, you know, a, a, a new type of treatment that, you know, may or may not have a lot of evidence behind it. And so we were just thinking like, is maybe is there a better way to, to create a platform for evidence-based kind of approachable, easygoing information for people that enjoy the, the audio form of podcasting, people that want to learn things by listening and, you know, doing the dishes or listening on their commute on their way to work or driving with the kids or something. Um, and we wanted to make it funny and approachable. And there weren't a lot of physicians doing that necessarily. There are a handful. They really are. And we were so glad to, throughout this this process over the past year or so, um, get connected with Health Podcast Network. But we thought we had kind of a fun idea. And it actually, it's funny that you asked about the title because it started as, it wasn't called Your Doctor Friends. We kind of workshopped that after a few months of, we actually called it What the Health (laughs) initially, which was like a little cutesy. Mm -hmm. But um as we sort of honed it, it was kind of the, the idea was more, all right, imagine that you're outside and hanging out at a friend's backyard party and you know, you meander into a circle of conversation of a couple people that you maybe haven't met before. And they're talking about kidney stones, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, I kind of want to know about kidney stones. I had one last, last summer and these people are doctors. Okay. Like I want (laughs) to hear what these people have to say. Um, and imagine that those, those people are kind of enveloping you in their conversation and we're just having nice, you know, uh, easy to understand kind of fun conversation like you would at a, like a cocktail party. So that was the concept of, we, we just want to be somebody's doctor friends. (laughs) You know, who would you call or text if you had a problem or you were worried that you sprained something or you had a concern about this cough that wouldn't go away? What would you call or text your doctor friend if you could have somebody at the ready? Um, and, and that's kind of where it was born, uh, because again, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of marketing. There's a lot of opportunities to, 
to be sold to. And we wanted to be a source of, we're not trying to sell you anything. We just want to bring you in on the conversation to learn a little bit and, and have an open forum where people can send us their questions and give us recommendations for questions that they want us to answer. So that's kind of how it came into being. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. And I love your show. I've listened to a bunch of episodes, like the one about gender affirming surgery, which was quite recent with Dr. Schechter. Mm -hmm. And I also a really awesome episode about, uh, was called, um, should I try acupuncture? And <laughs> I've been getting acupuncture off and on throughout my whole life. So I really okay. enjoyed listening to that. And your guest was awesome. And yeah. what I find really interesting is that you and Jeremy are both orthopedic physicians, right? Mm -hmm. You work with all these professional athletes and everything, but your show is not, you know, like orthopedics central at all. And what do you really enjoy? Like, what do you love about being a podcaster and, you know, bringing on guests and being able to just talk with Jeremy and just say what's on your mind? You know, what's, what's really fun and what's really kind of, you know, enlivening about it? Yeah, I, I think you, you hit it on the nail on the head right there is, is bringing on guests and the networking that I've, I've, it's afforded us to be able to do has been unbelievable and kind of creating our joke is that it's our own, um, it's our own grand rounds for our life. You know, I feel like uh -huh. we've had such a great opportunity to have great conversations like, yeah, like Dr. Angela Lorbeck, who's, um, uh, a Chinese medicine physician and acupuncturist for years. And she works at, over at our cancer center. And I just having an hour long conversation with her opened my eyes to so many things that I had no awareness of. And I don't know if I ever would find that organically. I mean, maybe I would, but again, and just talk, like I'm learning as much as I hope our patient, our, sorry, our patients, our listeners <laughs> are learning about as well. And I just, there is something about there was a fear about putting yourself out there of, you know, choosing to make your voice a little bit more heard than just, you know, in your own circles professionally or in your own circles with your friends. And, and that there was some fear uh, associated with that. No one wants to, you know, put out a product and, or there, there's just some trepidation that if people don't like it, or if you, you know, made a mistake and used the incorrect language and you look back and, you know, are embarrassed of some moment or whatever, or somebody online thinks that you're awful and it's hard not to take those things to heart, you know, if they, even mm -hmm. when they happen. But I think it's also helped me grow just emotionally as a person. Um, I, I think in, in healthcare and medicine, we tend to be a little bit more insular and maybe we don't branch out and, um, and try to make connections outside of our regular health networks. You know, if you're in a certain type of nursing or if you're in a certain type of physician, you may only run in those circles. And so it is kind of cool that first we did start off, Keith, with, with episodes that were mainly orthopedic based because mm -hmm. we didn't know how to bring on as guests. So we just asked all of our friends. Right. <laughs> so that's easy. I mean, convenient. Yeah. <laughs> we happen to work at a really, really great a very highly ranked orthopedic group. So it was great to be able to ask. I think our first episode was with uh, our our partner, Jorge Chala, who's amazing. He's an MD 
uh, PhD. He's just a lovely human being. And he's done a lot of research on, on regenerative medicine and orthobiologics and stem cells. So he actually did an- help us answer that stem cell question that was kind of one of the first burning ones that Jeremy and I talked about, um, you know, after clinic together. And so, yeah, I, I just, I think it's really opened my horizons to make me more excited about lifelong learning and then also just kind of, I don't know, make new friends again, which doesn't always happen when you're, when you're done with your formal training. Like you go to, you go to undergrad, you go to high school, you go to undergrad, you go to, you know, for me, medical school and then residency and then fellowship. And then you're, you're you, you're on, you're kind of on your own and there's not a, a set path in front of you. And so if you, if you want to continue to grow in your learning and understanding, you, you kind of have to do it. And some to some degree by yourself. And I don't, I'm not great at doing things all by myself. So I like to ask my friends <laughs> to help me learn too. Absolutely. Yeah. And so let's let's drill down into this a little bit because you mentioned, you know, the, the you didn't use the word risk, but I'm going to use the word risk of yeah. putting oneself out there. And I've experienced that. I mean, I've been doing this a really long time. So not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to agree with you. And people are going to question sometimes what you're doing and or why you're doing it, what your um what your motivations are. Like, you know, are you just doing it for your own aggrandizement or whatever? So, you know, whether it's social media or podcasting or Mm public speaking, whatever it is any of us do, and I do all those things and more, and you do a lot of those things too. Mm-hmm. What is it about the, well, let's call it vulnerability of being out there more than being simply a doctor who goes to work, sees their patients and goes home, right? Yeah. So what does it mean when you enter this other realm connected to your professional life what is what what does that mean and what is it what are the repercussions yeah I feel like it's it's an exercise in me and sort of relinquishing some degree of control of the situation because Mm -hmm. you know there is an inherent safety in you know when I see a patient in the office there it's it's a, a lot of it is under my terms which is probably pretty unfair but you know somebody has a problem they recognize that they have a problem. They go and find a way to find the specialist for that problem. So it's hard, you know, to know exactly how somebody finds me, but say they talk to their primary doctor who knows me and says, okay, go see Julie because you've got something wrong with your shoulder, whatever. Or maybe they just look me up online or maybe they just call our office or because they've been seen or their neighbor was seen by one of my partners or something. Either way, they, they're taking time out of their life and their day and they're making an appointment during my set hours, you know, they call and they get seen, you know, at a time frame that is a, a slot that I created. So a lot of the controls and they they come to my office, a lot of the control, it's, it's in, it's in my boat, you know, so they come in, you know, they get checked in by our front desk staff. They have our MAs or somebody, you know, room them, take their vitals, all that stuff. They fill out all this paperwork and then they sit in a room and wait for me to, you know, to walk in the room for them. Mm-hmm. And so, and then it's a, you know, typically a one-on-one interaction between me and this other human being and listening and talking and having usually a very nice conversation and then doing an exam and looking through some x-rays and then talking some more. Um, and that's it. And I, I have a lot of control over that situation and that person does not. Um, and, and so 
in that situation, then when do you get feedback about that whole, how it went? And really the only main ways typically is when somebody really likes you or if they really don't, (laughs) you know? Right. One extreme Um, or the other, right? Exactly. And so, and to be honest, when I started off in medicine, I kind of told myself that maybe you shouldn't be looking up online reviews because I just, like many people, I think that are healthcare professionals, uh, professionals or, you know, people that may have some perfectionist tendencies, it's hard to not look past the the one negative review through the 150 really positive ones and not take that to heart. So, but it is, it's a, it's a control thing. And so in this situation, when you put yourself out there into the ether and you put your voice out there for whoever wants to listen to it, not somebody who chose you on purpose to come see you in the office and wanted to have a conversation with you, it is a little untethering to, and it's very, there exposes a lot of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would actually, you know, now that this is all coming out of my mouth, I would make an argument mm-hmm. that there's a little bit of vulnerability baked into all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, that that one on one interaction, sitting and talking to somebody in a room to, you know, together. Um, I, I think that the way that I at least try to make some connection with with a patient and to level the playing field so that they don't feel like there's this schism between us because we're still just two human beings that are having a conversation and you know i'm trying to do my best to use my skills to help them solve a problem Mm -hmm. um but to help them solve that problem they also need to feel like they can trust me and so i think the the little inherent um, vulnerability that i that i run into with just one-on-one patient interactions is I feel like I need to show them some of my cards too, if I'm going to ask them to show theirs. So not getting too far off track, which I think I did with this question already. No, it's, just, it's fine. No, it's, it's good. that. Yeah. It's that. I, I think it is a, it's a character building exercise to sort of push the envelope of what you feel comfortable with and how much of, of yourself are you willing to show? Because I really feel like when I do get feedback from patients, um, whether it's them telling me just in the office or, you know, uh, giving me a wonderful compliment, like saying, Oh, I, I, I sent my mom to see you because I liked you so much and you listened to me or whatever. Like that's a huge compliment. I think it's usually because the feedback they give me is that I was willing to, I don't know, be a little bit vulnerable and show some humanity and show a little, you know, you don't have to be stuffy. You don't have to just be this robotic person who's there to take data and then, you know, spit information back at them. Like, I don't know. I, I, I really try to, create some levity and some humor and, uh, and bake that in so that people want to keep coming back and they want to send their family to see me because you don't really mm-hmm. get feedback as much anymore. I don't know. I don't know if you got that in your career, Keith, but I do feel like one thing that's difficult when you do enter your career or like in my, in my case, this feeling like in my sophomore year of my, of my life mm-hmm. and in my career of like, no one's really telling you if you're doing a good job or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So you it's get like you very really isolated and insulated, you know? Yeah. I totally understand that. And, you know, we were talking about the, you know, the, the, the vulnerability of podcasting and doing social media and being a public figure, but then mm-hmm. you also, you, you kind of flip the switch on that a little to the vulnerability and authenticity <laughs> of practice. And I think there's, there's yeah. a direct relationship between the two even though it might not always seem so apparent. And yeah, I mean, in nursing and in 
you know, counseling and psych and medicine, we learn about therapeutic use of self, right? And there are moments where maybe you do share that you've had the same injury as your patient or you've you've lost a loved one, like they just lost a loved one because as long as your therapeutic use of self is about them, it's not about you right. and you're, you're doing it Correct. because you think it's going to benefit them and it's going to benefit your relationship with them. So there yes. I've, I've divulged information on this podcast about myself and I've divulged information to mm-hmm. patients about my, my life and myself as well. And, you know, we have to be careful. And like I said, we have to make sure we're serving them and we're not just being self-serving. Yes. But I think those of us in the like the public world as podcasters, mm-hmm. social media influencers, whatever word you use. And we are we are taking our professional life and kind of blowing it up in a way. Like yeah. we're 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 not just going to work, doing our job and going home. We're choosing for whatever reason we choose to do so. Mm-hmm. We're choosing to kind of make parts of ourselves vulnerable in public. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of usefulness in that. And I think a lot of good can come of it, don't you? I absolutely agree. And I I mean, I think that is a big part of why Jeremy and I are doing the podcast is I think that not only putting ourselves out there, but modeling that behavior that like, that's okay. And, and you can, I think it's also great behavior to model. Like my, my concern of like, well, what if I said something wrong or what if I offended something or used the incorrect language, then you can model the behavior of going back and taking ownership of your mistake Mm -hmm. and, and showing that that is perfectly acceptable and you can do it with grace and dignity and um and admit that you were wrong and apologize for your mistake and then move forward cuz i think that is something that maybe we don't see as much um in in the public eye and it is very refreshing to see that when it does happen and show okay well then here's how i'm going to move forward and change my behavior and i think that that could you know create a a a, a bit a bit more understanding and gentler world. But I, yeah, I do have there. It, I will never, I don't think I'll ever not have trepidation about putting myself out there because I, I do think for a very long time, there was so much fear. And I think a lot of physicians have fear of putting themselves out there in the public eye. Cause they, they, we all want to be liked. We all want to be, and you want to maintain your persona and you're, there's always a bit of a fear of, is somebody kind of come after me? You know, my, professionally or legally or anything. And so people just don't bother to try. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much value in modeling that like you can try and you can have fun with it and you can make these great relationships and learn a lot and learn from other people and you can do it in a public way and nothing bad is going to happen to you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if something bad happens then you can weather that storm and just be honest and, and authentic about it. And, and I think most people accept that, but I will tell you, Keith, it's, it's, it is very difficult. And I still will. And I think everybody that uh, that, you know, has a online persona or a public persona has may have a hard time with reading comments and that kind of stuff. So I typically try not to. But, you know, you bring up the episode with Dr. Schechter, which I thought was wonderful. And he's he's so he's a um, plastic surgeon who's been doing gender affirming surgery for 25 plus years. And he's uh, the president elect of the 
American uh, Society of Gender Surgeons, and he's just a wonderful human being and just like the person when, you know, when it comes to this, at least, at least in the Chicago area. But, um, you know, I had some trepidation about putting out just our, you know, our little Instagram reels about it. And, and there was some, you know, some nasty comments. And it was one of the first times that I'd gotten nasty comments <laughs> from any of the stuff that we put out there. And I'll tell you, it was, it was a hard thought process to go through of like, all right, well, do I leave them there? Do I delete them? Do I, mm-hmm. who, you know, and I, 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 you know, it's, it's a little dysregulating and untethering. And I reached out to Jeremy and he says, you know, well, people are out there, they're going to have their opinions. And, you know, I think that any discussion is, is discussion, I suppose, but it is, it's, it's hard when you, when you, when you're a little, still a little bit green <laughs> to the whole situation. Um, I think it's for folks true. that have been in the game a long time, like you have Keith, it, it's hopefully it's a, it's a skill I will continue to hone about how to gracefully work through, you know, people's conflicting opinions about things. It's, it's so true. I mean, if I go, <laughs> I go on my Apple podcast comments and, yeah. you know, most of them are great and they're four stars or most are five stars. But then sure. there's this one guy who left a comment a couple of years ago and he was like, this bozo is a class A1 loser snowflake, you know? And he's like, and he gave me one star and it totally <laughs> ruined my like five star, you know? Yeah, like you're perfect. <laughs> my perfect score on my ratings. And you can't change those once they're there. No, they're there they're forever. There. And I'm like, yeah, so, you know, so what, you know, it doesn't really matter. (laughs) And the same goes when you're a medical provider. I mean, not all patients are going to be happy. Like you said, people are going to either complain because they hate you or they're going to, you know, write some kind of like wonderful gram because they love you. Mm -hmm. And I think no matter what we do, whether we're lawyers or accountants mm-hmm. or we work at Trader Joe's or whatever yeah. it is we happen to do, if we're, a, if we're an Uber driver mm-hmm. and someone leaves us a really bad rating, I mean, that can affect our bottom line. Right. And this particular world we find ourselves in right now in the 21st century is hyper-connected and everything is, not everything, but a lot is out there in in full view. and. I think it's something we need to live with. And, you know, I do, I I do note how you and I and others, like I said, are going that extra mile because we're choosing to do this. And that's, it's an interesting exercise and it can, you know, humility can go a long way or a little, a little humility can go a long way. But when we come back from the break, I want to talk more about your work and the um, the athletes you work with and what sure. that's like yeah. and a little bit more about the physician world because I sure. think there's there's a lot to talk about a lot to unpack about the world of physicians and doctors does that sound okay that sounds wonderful awesome okay so hang in there with us we will be right back for the second half of episode 431 with Dr. Julie Bruni of Your Doctor Friends, the podcast. (music) 
And welcome back to the second half of the episode. We're here again with friend of the pod and my new friend and colleague, Dr. Julie Bruni. And Julie, before the break, we were talking about vulnerability and, you know, putting ourselves out there in the world as clinicians or as public figures, podcasting, social media, et cetera. And, you know, and then I was just watching that cat crawl all over like right behind your shoulder there he um he's right here yeah she really wants to get on the on the video which cats do but anyway i I digress love it so i wanted to ask you because you mentioned earlier in the show and i just want to point it out again that you are an orthopedic physician and you work with teams professional teams you're the team physician Mm -hmm. for the chicago white sox and do you also work with the Chicago Bulls? I do. Yeah. So yeah. my yeah, my co-host Jeremy's their head team, uh, the head medical team physician, and I'm just kind of one of the helpers there. But yeah, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And you work with DePaul University Correct. and the Chicago Red Stars. Mm-hmm. And um, who are the Chicago Red Stars? That's the uh, women's national uh, professional soccer team oh, here in awesome. Chicago. They're okay. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is it like working? You know in that milieu, aside yeah. from the work you do with your, you know, your everyday patients over at Rush, you know, what's it like working in the professional athletic world? Yeah. I mean, when I first started, it was difficult. So I did my fellowship at Rush. So I had my last year of training there. And so as a fellow, you're kind of, you know, the person in the corner who's trying to just be helpful and not really be in the way. Um, and I've, you know, I, I grew up in the Chicagoland area and have lived in the city proper for the past 15 plus years. And um, part of the reason that I went into sports medicine is because I'm a huge sports fan and have followed a lot. So the funky thing was that it was hard to to sort of place my my fan hat aside and put the mm-hmm. doctor hat on, mm-hmm. um, as I'm sure it is for a lot of, uh, you know, healthcare professionals that work with these with teams that, it, you know, you grew up watching and idolizing and gosh, my, my parents, when my husband and I got married in 2013, my, uh, my dad made a life-size cutout of Paul Canerco, who was the first baseman for the Chicago White Sox at the time and, uh, put it behind our head table. So it was just kind of, once I started working with the organizations, it was a little hard to, to, to not be the fangirl there for a moment. And it was a little bit of uh, act like you've been here before because mm-hmm. you know they're 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 just human beings they're yeah. um they're human beings that have really really great talents and um you know there's a different level of uh, yeah of of decorum that is is expected but in any time you start a new position and you're in a new place and you just want to be accepted and and be respected but just be cool and don't mess anything up and so the first you know uh you know, beginning of it felt that like that just sort of jitters. And then you, you're, you just kind of get in the groove of things and you meet people and you build these relationships and you feel more and more comfortable so that now you're not just faking it till you make it. You're not really faking it anymore. You just feel, you feel confident because you've, you have been there before. You don't have to act like you've been there before. And it happens very gradually. It's not an overnight thing. Um, uh, and it's, it's just so magical and, and you've, and sometimes I even have to step outside of myself because like, for example, I will have, you know, seen patients all day in the office on a Wednesday. Right. And, you know, you're done with your day. And while everybody else is going home, I'm on my way to the ballpark to to cover, you know, 
being at the ballpark for four and a half hours or something to cover a White Sox game. And, you know, sometimes you, like anything else, you start off like, oh, I'm just so tired. I just would like to just go home and have a nice meal and, and relax. And, and then that sometimes like I get there and I'm there and I'm looking out at the ballpark and watching the game. And it's like, Oh my God, this is my life. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. This is my job. And you I get paid to do this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it, it, work is work. And sometimes you can get in the slog of things, but you have those moments where you just have a, a clarity of like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is what I'm paid to do. And, and if like little Julie in, you know, high school could see what this one's doing now, she would lose her mind. So um, Hmm. it is, it's really cool, but then you do it enough. It's, it's not so nerve wracking, um, but you still have a respect for, you know, it's the big leagues and, um, and you're, you're there to help people make medical decisions and do what's the safest, best thing for them. Um, And if you, you know, you, you're there with kindness and authenticity and um, collaboration and a little bit of humor. It goes a long mm-hmm. way to be accepted into um, into a world that, you know, is can be very intimidating, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Julie, you're playing in the big leagues now. <laughs> it's right? weird, man. It <laughs> yeah, is. I bet it is weird. And what is it like? Do, what What do you like about having this work life that, has some variety to it having this other position is it sort of a nice window into another world because a lot of us will have one job you know we'll do that job and then we'll switch to another one and here you are walking into fairly different milieus so what do you like about that exactly that i mean the variety of it the the sort of it's weird it's like a controlled unpredictability you know Mm -hmm. like you go there you go to the ballpark you've got your team you have everybody but anything can happen when you're there I mean when I'm seeing patients in the office I guess similarly anything could happen but there's you know there's there's a window of what's really expected of what's going to happen that day but Mm -hmm. you know at the ballpark or you know at the United Center or on the soccer pitch like you need to be at the ready for any kind of bizarre situation. I mean, for example, this, you know, didn't happen to me, but my co-host Jeremy, one of the White Sox players, this was, I think it was 2018, um, was pitching in that inning. And when it was, you know, he, when he was in the dugout waiting to to pitch again, uh, this uh, pitcher by the name of Danny Farquhar, um, suffered a, a aneurysmal bleed. So he was mm. in the, in the dugout and started to have a horrible headache and lost consciousness and was vomiting. And Jeremy ran there and, um, you know, he was able to get him on the ambulance and into the hospital and into surgery and the, and Danny, Danny lived, he, um, he recovered completely. He was able to pitch again. And just those situations where I think, you know, there's the little parts of me that, like loved the the draw of the emergency department of kind of seeing what comes in and and that sideline coverage of anything can happen and I, I I like being part of the team that can respond in a crisis situation too because I do feel like that's something I I'm prepared for and I feel particularly skilled in keeping a cool head in those situations because we do have a lot of training and practice in it and so I while I never want any of those things to happen I'm glad that we have a very skilled practiced team to respond to them. And, and there is an excitement there that it's just fun to be a part of the team too. And mm-hmm. just even the vibe of being around in these, these beautiful 
places, you know, like mm-hmm. I just think the United Center, there's just such an energy or at, at, you know, guaranteed rate field or on the soccer pitch. Like it's just, there's such a the positivity and an excitement and, um, and all of the fans that are there and just this, this, this swelling of excitement and positivity is really, really, really a special thing to be around too. And That's lovely. I, I, I soak it yeah. in. <laughs> well, I can hear it in your voice talking about it, that yeah. you know, it's a special part of your life. Now, we're talking about, you know, having different things we do in our lives. You're podcasting, you're doing social media, you're working with the professional teams, you're working in orthopedic clinic. You know, there's an aspect to life and career and work to keeping it fresh, right? Mm-hmm. And we need to keep learning mm-hmm. and we need to keep growing. And we also need to not burn out. We need to make sure that we, stay interested and curious and you know that we still have that edge like we have that edge of growing and 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 expanding and evolving as human beings so what is it what is it about for you and how do you go about making sure that you are learning and keeping it fresh and keeping your life and your career just feel like it's it's in motion and it's moving and it's not staying in one place. Yeah, that's a great question. And and I would tell you the answer to it recently would be finding this creative outlet in this podcast. Okay. You that's know, good one. I, yeah, I do think it's so important to notice when you're feeling stuck or feeling you know, a little bit stagnant. And I do feel like there was a, you know, I think coming out or coming out to on the kind of the other side of this pandemic and feeling like we've all been through this kind of major uh, global trauma together and then sort of being like, okay, that, that survival mode kind of everything's up in the air. And I had, we had some personal family illnesses and such that we got through all together and just kind of getting past that, okay, I'm no longer in survival mode anymore and things are back kind of in a nice even keel. But, you know, you, you, you're in that stage for a while and then you're like, okay, well, I don't want to feel like I've, I'm just growing, growing roots here and not, and not evolving. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think reconnecting and reaching out again to really important people in my life that I don't feel, I feel like thing, those things, those relationships may have gone by the wayside. So that's important. Um, I, I think the same way that I like to, like the podcast kind of brings people onto the show and gets fresh opinions and good ideas and people uh, platforming experts. I, I want to keep the, the, the branches of those trees going. So like, for example, every time we have a guest on the show, um, we'll, we'll ask them like, who do you think would be a great guest? Who do you think, what are you interested in? Like, you know, have somebody coming in talking about gosh knows what um yeah anything kidney stones fine whatever mm-hmm. what would be what would be their recommendation of someone that we should reach out to and keep learning and 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 evolving from um and then i i think just having time to be with your friends and colleagues in a in a relaxed social setting so that you can have an idea of maybe maybe I don't know, that sense of like, you don't know what you don't know. So you don't really know what you're missing until you've kind of asked people what their creative outlets are. Um, like, for example, um, 
or even just what their career aspirations are. Um, I've been trying to get more involved in in our um, uh, our academic communities and and even some leadership in that place too. And I think it takes it takes enough time. It takes enough confidence and building your practice and who you are to feel like you belong in a leadership position, you know? And I think once you start to feel that way, then it's a kind of exciting to be like, oh, that those roles are for me now. You know, again, I keep saying sophomore year, but mm-hmm. you're not the newbie anymore. You get to you get to fill in those roles. So I don't know. I think it's just giving myself room for aspirational thinking and looking at the next 10 years when and not and not just staying where I am. So I don't know if that really answered your question, but <laughs> it it did. And I think there, you know, we we can stay on our silos. Yeah. Like there's, you know, the orthopedic doctor, there's the trauma surgeon, there's the um, you know, there's the the kidney specialist, mm-hmm. right? It's like we can be very siloed, but we can also be siloed in our lives as well. The people we hang out with, the 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 news we listen to, I mean, all sorts mm-hmm. of places we can get siloed. And yeah. so I think keeping it fresh can look like a lot. Of, it can look a lot different for everyone, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. So I appreciate those those reflections. And as we start to wind down, and I don't want to, but I want to ask you a couple questions about medicine in general. Sure. Um, see, I have this mole. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not asking for personal advice. No, um, I wanted to ask you about the physician shortage that's going on right now. Like when I look at Bureau of Labor Statistics information, registered nurses had job growth in the high double digit, not well, relatively high double digits for a long time. It was like 30%, 35% job growth. Now it's down to like eight or 9%. Physicians were in the teens. Now they're around three to 4% job growth over the next 10 years. Nurse practitioners are now up around 40% because that's kind of the way things are shifting. So what do you think, what are the dynamics? What do we need to do in order to make sure we are driving enough people mm-hmm. towards medicine because mm-hmm. we need physicians. Right. So what what do we need to do to make sure that we keep those funnels full? Do you have any thoughts or feelings about that? Yeah, I mean, I think even when I was starting off making career aspirations, you know, um, I think one big concern that people have is just the expense of it and making sure that you're getting a return on investment because it's a huge investment Mm -hmm. of your time and it's a huge investment of money. And just like, um, you know, any higher education, I think that's a, a, you know, a discussion we can have about any type, you know, just, just getting your bachelor's degree. Um, and the expense and, and, and who's going to pay for it and how am I going to pay that back if it's, if I'm going to be paying for it myself. And I think that was a big daunting, scary part of deciding to go towards the track of going to medical school because, you know, the, the, the gallows humor joke is once you start medical school, you can't really afford to not complete it, (laughs) you know, like once you've, you know, and, and I think that's true for, for many, many professions and many advanced degrees. And so, I feel like you you're you're being asked at a very young age to make a decision for the rest of your life. 
And I'm wondering if there's even better ways to prepare younger people to try to help make those decisions. Um, I know uh, Rush has a really great, so the, the uh, hospital and university that I, we, that we're affiliated with mm. Rush University Medical Center. And that's where I went to medical school too, which is a wonderful um, uh, organization. And I have a lot of faith and pride in them. Um, there's a really great program called Reach, um, which is the Rush Education and Career Hub. And it's this wonderful group of people. And they are trying to bring um, health and medical careers, including nursing and medicine and PAs and physical therapists and all these people, even to like an elementary school level of talking about how do we get people, how do we get kids interested in this? And particularly kids that maybe would not have been... <laughs> recruited towards it or in into schools and community communities that they didn't you know, there's maybe a lot of not all people that look like them in medicine and i just think it's such a wonderful situation to to show show people at a young age that this is something that one you can do two it's worth doing mm-hmm. maybe you know so jeremy and i have been working with this this reach this it's called reach at rush group and um meeting with some of their uh, their organizational folks talking about how can we go there and do more like career days? How can we have more younger people come shadow us? How can we have, we're actually trying to set up a time. Um, so to have some of the, those younger students that are interested in medicine, come on the podcast and do like a Q and a situation. Cause I think exposure at a young age to medical and health careers is really important. And maybe we don't, I, I don't know. I think that's something that isn't there for everybody. Um, uh, so I think that's one important part of it is to maybe fostering this at younger ages, um, especially to, if we're asking people to decide on what the rest of their career is going to be at, at basically 18 or 19 years old. I mean, um, to sort of choose a pre-med track in, in undergrad and then kind of know that you're, and usually it was, oh, my, Mm -hmm. you know, my mom was a physician or my uncle's a physician or, you know, my auntie's a nurse and, Maybe not everybody has those people that are in their families or in their their social circles immediately when they're growing up that they wouldn't it wouldn't occur to them to want to go into that type of field. Right. So I think that's one big part of it is maybe we could do better at recruitment <laughs> or at least just modeling ourselves out there. Because I think that there's a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of talk and a lot of um, things in social media and the media about how doctors are burned out. And we, you know, I don't think we're getting the return on the investment that we, we expected, mm-hmm. or maybe are making okay money, but are working insane hours and have to neglect, mm-hmm. um, or feel like we have to neglect personal and family relationships and other, other, you know, I, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of, I don't know, it's, it, it can look not very exciting <laughs> as well, um, to put all this all this time and effort into it to, to have a job that you may not feel like uh, you have very much autonomy or free time. And I think that there's a healthy balance we can strike in between. I mean, certainly there's a lot of systemic, major systemic problems with how we deliver healthcare in this country. And I don't know if we have enough time to get into all of those, but I certainly think that that's a big part of it too, is that it's just not as, it's maybe not as enticing to someone going into it right now as it may have been 20, 30, 40 years ago. And, and that's, uh, a, a kind of a, a bigger, badder problem to to have to. <laughs> it is a bigger, badder problem, and um, 
you know, we have to go in a few minutes, but sure. there was a recent article in the New York Times about doctors and the ways in which they are feeling pretty beaten down by mm -hmm. the profession and the healthcare system, especially in light of the corporatization of healthcare. Correct. So that's a whole enormous, ginormous conversation yeah. to have. But the conversations are happening, which I think is a good thing. And Agreed. nursing is having its own moment yeah. where we we have some reckoning to do as well. But I really appreciate your reflections. I always want to hear what people have to say about these really salient contemporary issues. And before we go, mm -hmm. I have a little lightning round of four questions I ask <laughs> all my guests. Are you game for some quick questions? Yes. Yeah? would love to. I'll try to make my answers brief. Okay. <laughs> so the first one is... How do you define success personally or professionally? I probably would have, have have had different answers before, but I think um, it's moving past external validation. And so it's really, um, that's something that I've been grappling with my whole life, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially as someone who's a bit of a perfectionist, that it, you know, is removing the, yeah, the the external validators as much as you can and if you feel confident that you're adhering adhering to your core values and that you feel like you're providing a service and doing a um uh, tipping the scale into positivity and good then that means you're successful and uh and the external validation should be moot and that's something i need to tell myself every day you mean even if the guy calls me a class a1 loser <laughs> snowflake you forgot bozo. Don't oh, forget the bozo this, part. This bozo, right? Bozo. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. All right. Okay. I'll work on it. I promise. Excellent. All right. Okay. Second question. Could you name or just describe a person who's inspired you in the course of your life, either living or dead or famous or not famous in any way whatsoever? Oh, goodness gracious. Um, well, this is hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many. These are these are not easy lightning round. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking we were going to talk about like ice cream flavors yeah. and such. Um, see, this is going to be one of those that I'm going to listen to myself after the fact that I'm going to be mm -hmm. embarrassed like, and there's going to be 55 people that I, I'm just going to be like, why didn't you say this? You ding dong. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I, you know what? This is a really good answer because it's absolutely true. Okay. Um, my mother-in-law, Linda, um, she, very briefly uh, during the um, right in the beginning of the, of the pandemic, this was in March of 2020. Um, we all, we all had dinner together, like a bunch of ding dongs. Cause it was going to be the last, you know, the last weekend that anything was open. Mm -hmm. And, um, we all got sick with COVID that week. That was right in the, in the beginning. Ouch. And it was probably one of the first major families. There was like 10 of us, a cohort that all got COVID at the same time. And nine of us all got COVID and we're felt crappy for a week or two. And Linda got critically ill and she was, uh, on a ventilator, in the hospital where, where I work um, for five weeks, prone, horrible, just mm. we day to day did not think she was going to survive. And she pulled through and it was unbelievable. And then as soon as she pulled through a few months later, she started coughing again. And then she found out to had adenocarcinoma in her lungs. So not only mm. did she beat COVID, she beat lung cancer. And um, this has just been such a wonderful source of strength. And really that was, she's a person that really has put a lot of things in perspective and, and, helped me and I think a lot of the rest of us in our family just shift our perspective about what's really important. Um, and I just, I just love her and adore her. And, um, and I'm just so happy that, 
that she pulled through and it's been such a, a, a lovely, positive influence in my life. That's beautiful. And I don't think you're going to kick yourself about. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually really <laughs> good. One. It just took me, it took me 30 seconds of hemming and hawing to, to make, make the synapses fire. <laughs> and you're going to get a gold star in your forehead from your mother-in-law. So there you go. Can't beat that. Okay. No, cannot. The third penultimate question. Yes. Is there a book or a movie? It doesn't need to be an absolute favorite because that's too hard. Mm -hmm. That's had an impact on the way you think, the way you live your life, the way you approach your work, anything like that at all. (sighs) Goodness gracious. Um, And remember, it doesn't have to be an absolute favorite. So just, you know, any, anything that's kind of had a, you know, lasting impact yeah it's hard because you want to go through the questions of what's going to make you sound cool or really Mm -hmm. deep or interesting that's right (laughs) jean-paul sartre yeah yeah exactly and that would just be the biggest lie (laughs) if i'm talking about authenticity right when i read the iliad and the odyssey (laughs) no go ahead oh gosh i am trying to look behind me to see if there's anything that reminds me of I don't know if I have a great answer for that. And I'm very embarrassed about that. I do. And it's, I feel like I'm in like my, my thought process is totally muddied right now. Um, We can come back to you. I'm going to pass on that one. (laughs) Okay. Last question. (laughs) If you were named queen of the world tomorrow. Okay. What's one of the first things you would want to do to improve the lives of your subjects, bearing in mind (laughs) that you have ultimate power and this would just be your first act. (laughs) I think everybody adopts an animal. Everyone adopts an animal. I don't know. Awesome. I don't care what kind of animal it is, but we need, yeah, everybody, you can get a cat, you can get a dog, you can get a slithery thing if you prefer those, if you've got allergies. But I think, I think having a, an animal companionship is, is, uh, is wonderful. And I grew up not having animals um, mm-hmm. because we all had allergies and such. So I, we, well, we had like, I had a turtle yeah. uh, named Cujo, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh but yeah, as an adult, my husband and I have been big suckers and have um, adopted several cats. And I just feel like it's been such a positive influence on on my mental health and, and emotional well-being. <laughs> I think I everybody could benefit from it. <laughs> I love that one. I've always had this dream of having a ranch and it would be called the Triple D Ranch and it would be donkeys, ducks and dogs. So, you know, love it. maybe one day you it. can visit me at the the triple d ranch but anyway i would love to julie this has been so lovely it's wonderful i recommend people check out your doctor friends podcast and we will have a link in the show notes but of course they can find you on the health podcast network or at your doctor friends podcast.com and you're on instagram too so we'll make sure the links are all there but thank you so much for sharing and being vulnerable and you know just laughing and hanging out with me here with you and your cat Thank you so much, Keith. This was wonderful. And uh, I'll try not to um, to beat myself up for not being able to think of a book or a movie. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Thanks, Julie. Thanks. Thanks, Keith. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nurse Keith Show. Remember the show notes will be at nursekeith.com or on any app where you're listening. And please check out your Doctor Friends podcast. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And if you need personalized holistic career coaching to elevate your career, 
Look no further than nursekeith.com. Mention the show and get 10% off your first coaching package. We're proud members of the Health Podcast Network, as previously mentioned, as is your Dr. Friends podcast as well. We're produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting, and Mark Cappiespeason is our social media ringmaster and newsletter wrangler. I'll leave you with this quote by Brene Brown because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging could never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and the inimitable Julie Bruni saying arrivederci from Chicago, Illinois. Chicago. Thank you so much, Julie. And we will catch all of you on the proverbial flip side. Mm-hmm.